Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, if you were to recall, right, the life of Abraham, we could actually say it has not been picture perfect. Now, you've got to remember, although we know Abraham is Father Abraham, a father in the faith, this is, this is Abraham, these are, the, these are the, the person that we sing songs in children's ministry, right? But his life was not always perfect. He's made his share, you could say, of bad choices. So what I want to do is take a moment, let's go back in time, uh, I want you to remember the mistake that Abraham made earlier on in his life, right? But he didn't apparently learn from it. Now, here's how mistakes are. Their mistakes are designed for us to go, oh, man, I made a mistake. I need to learn from that so I don't continue to make the same mistake. Can I get an amen? That's what mistakes are supposed to do. We go, oh, I made a bad choice. I shouldn't have done that. Oh, woe is me. Okay, I can suffer the consequences, but now I'm going to move forward. Well, Abraham gives us a great example that, well, he didn't learn. He didn't learn from his mistakes. I want to take you back because I want to show you. So hold your finger in 20 and go back to Genesis chapter 12. Okay, this is where we meet Father Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to pick it up in verse 10. Now, check this out. It says this. It says in, in Genesis 12, 10, speaking of Abraham, we've got in our DeLorean, we've gone back in time. And now we say, now it says there was a famine in the land. Now, And Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Now, the first thing we need to understand is that God hadn't changed his name yet, okay? He says he's still Abram, so he's making those mistakes. But the first thing we recognize, and and I want to make a couple of points before we jump into our text, is first and foremost, we see that there was a famine in the land. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there was a severe famine, and what happens is that Abram freaks out, and he heads with his wife and others back to Egypt. And you go, well, that's no big deal, Pastor. I mean, there's famines, there's stuff going on, of course. But you need to take note, and you need to make a note, some in your Bible, that Egypt has always been typified in Scripture as the world, a type of the world. And for the Christian, it's like us walking with Jesus, something happened, we freak out, and we run back into the world. We rack into the same thing that we got saved out of. And so all of a sudden he goes, man, oh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious, there's a famine. Sweetie, we got to go. Well, where are we going to go, darling? We're going to go to Egypt. Okay? Now, think about this. Many times, guys, think about this. Many times in our lives, if we really take a great assessment of our lives, we get stressed out. We get tired. There's things that don't go right. We just don't understand it. And, and what we do is we often, when those times hit, we often head back to the world. And we go back looking to the world for peace and comfort. We want some sort of joy. And yet, we know that the world doesn't bring everlasting peace or joy. I mean, world, guys, well, it has its fun stuff, but it doesn't bring its peace. Sometimes we think it does for the moment. But then reality hits, and if we're honest, we're even more stressed than we were before. You know, Ben, what's the lesson? What can we learn from Abraham's mistake? Well, the lesson we can learn, guys, is that, is that not to run back to the world when times of stress hit us. 
You see, the Bible says that you are a unique people. You are a you are chosen. You're different. As believers, you're not the same. And when stress happens to us, the world looks at us and says, Oh, look, look. I want to see how they react. I want to see how they handle life. I want to see. And, and here's the thing, guys, that, that we can learn from Abraham's mistake of going into Egypt. First of all, we need to seek God for all and every decision. We need to wait on him. That's our hardest part, right? God's waiting room is the hardest place to be. You ever get called to the doctor and what do you do? You get in the doctor, you say, hey, I had an appointment at 1040. You get there 20 minutes early because you want to make sure you get your appointment at 1040. And you sit and you wait and you're in the waiting room. And then what do they do? About 1050, they'll come and call you. And then they'll take you back to another room where you have to wait. <laughs> right? Put on this gown. You sit there waiting. And, and I know you guys. You guys are great model Christians, but some of you are looking in the drawers to see what's in those drawers. Looking at the knobs to make sure the doctor doesn't come in. You're like, hey, what? Some of you have taken those rubber gloves home. Confess to the Lord. Just get it out right now. But God's waiting room is very hard for us. You go, Ben, what did that doctor? had nothing to do with our text. But God had, God, guys, we need to wait on him. Because he really wants to show you where he wants you to go and how you should live. Guys, let's cut to the chase. Life, life is going to get stressful. It's going to get bonkers. It's going to get crazy. It will be tough. But here's my encouragement to you guys. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Here's the, you got God Almighty walking with you through every situation. And his heart breaks when we run back into Egypt. Be careful because Egypt doesn't always have to be a place. It doesn't have to be the limelight or where I go partying down in the depot district. You guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes Egypt is in our mind. And what and, and the things in our heart and the things that we love. Oh man, I just wish I just had a just it was just an easier time back then. I just I just want that. I just want to go back. I just you don't understand. Life just really it's just hard. And I just but but don't go back to Egypt, guys. I can tell you this, it will leave you even more empty than you did before. That's what the world promises you. Emptiness. Abraham, what did you do? We went to Egypt. Let me, let, me, let me do this, guys. Let me give you my second observation. We talked about this before, but I want to bring it back, right? Because it, it hit me again when I noticed that there was a severe famine in the land, okay? When we were in Israel... Okay, and I know some of you are praying about going with us in 2021. Okay, be praying, be saving. But when we were in Israel, our tour guide mentioned over and over and over and over, she said, Israel right now produces one-third more food than the whole country needs. What? Yeah, she says, we've got bananas, we've got oranges. Even if you go to the Judean desert, guys, in the desert, they're growing watermelons. I mean, they've got all kinds of, I mean, this is just crazy. And in our tour guide, Hila says, yep, yep, guess what? Israel, our country, Israel grows more, one-third more food than what we can consume. And so some of it is exported, some of it is not. And I started thinking about that. What do you, what do, you do with, how are you, how are you growing watermelons in the desert? I mean, wow. Then you go, well, Ben, what's your thought? 
Well, I started thinking about this, right? And I, and, and I just want to get you to think, okay? This is strictly my opinion. But we know that Russia and other countries, guys, they want to invade Israel. We get that from Ezekiel 38. They're going to be actually pulled into a war. They actually want to invade Russia now. As a matter of fact, there's other countries out there. You know that if, that if, if they're at war with somebody else, they shoot Israel. And you're like, they're not even in this. It's like weird. But you think about this according to Ezekiel 38, guys. Now, listen, this is just my opinion. This is just my thought. What would cause a country to invade Israel? What would, what, what would cause them to go, oh, listen, it's just like, like me and George, we're going to go, we're, me and George are, are going to get in a fight, and instead of George fighting me, he fights Gio. You go, that's nuts. What would cause George to fight Gio? And I started to think about that. When we did our Ezekiel study, guys, we learned that, that Russia is probably, it's all about money. It's all about oil. It's all about natural gas. That's what's going on there. And they had actually found a natural gas well in the Mediterranean. And Israel goes, that's ours. And all the countries are going to go, no, that's ours. And then they started to report that there was natural gas in the Golan Heights. Right? Well, President Trump just declared that the Golan Heights belong to Israel. Oh, no, 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 no. Not if there's gas there. And so what would cause a country to go and invade Israel? Probably natural gas, right? You have gas. We're tired of importing. We're not going to pay these high prices. Boom. Boom. It's crazy. I don't know if you guys watch the news. I don't know if you watch the news. But if you ever watch the news and you'll say, you'll go, why are we paying higher prices in Lubbock, Texas for gas of something that, I mean, it could be weather related and we pay higher prices. I mean, the gas prices are based. Can you imagine if we could not be get imported gas anymore? You guys know a few years back, those of us that were driving at the time were almost four or five bucks a gallon. And we were freaking out. We're like, what are we going to do? People were trading in their big cars for mopeds. I mean, it was just in, thinking, this is nuts. I remember going to uh, pick up Talia from Bible College, and, and the gas prices up there was five twenty-five a gallon. I was like, how can I afford this? This is crazy. This is crazy. You go, Pastor, where, where are you going? Don't go on a rabbit trail. No, here it is. Listen. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, we can live without fuel for the most part, right? Worst case. You go, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing. We can survive without cars. I know. Don't look at me. What do you mean not a car? We could ride bikes. We could walk. Could you imagine? Right? You're like, walk? <laughs> you crazy, Pastor? No, no. If we didn't have any gas and the car sat there, we could walk. Amen? We could just walk. I mean, we could ride our bike. We could, we, we could survive. We're not, we're not going to die. We could heat our homes with wood. We could figure out something. We would survive. But you know what we couldn't live without? Food. If Israel has the goods and someone wants to get it from them, Here's my food for thought. According to the Bible, guys, there's been 13 major famines in the Word of God. So what if, as we move forward in history, what if, again, I'm standing over here, my opinion only, what if there was another major famine in the world? Food sources are just, are just you guys know this, the, near, the mere mention of snow in Lubbock and the stores are empty. 
Well, there might be an acute, boom, we're at the store. Right? We're filling up our baskets. They, they, we would be out in a matter of days, right? What if Israel had the goods? They're producing one-third more food than their country needs. Hey, wait a minute. The world is starving. We know where to get it. You go, Ben, that sounds like the Left Behind movie. It could be. If you remember that Left Behind, it was all about the wheat. It's called the Eden Project. I was like, whoa, what if? What if? Now, it, it didn't even occur to me until I was in Israel and I saw that. Like, there's, there's food. And they're not eating it all. Or what the, let me just, let me just say this. What if it was both food and natural gas? That would cause Ezekiel 38 invasion. Something to think about. Well, let's back in our text. Okay, so we know that there's a severe famine in the land. We know that according to Genesis chapter 12. And verse 11 says, And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, her name hasn't been changed yet, he says, Indeed, I know that you were a woman of beautiful countenance. Oh, thank you, Abram. He just gave his wife, he says, Baby, you, you good looking. You are, ooh, wow. Therefore, he says, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. What's Abraham doing? He's First of all, he's in Egypt, shouldn't be there. Okay. Second of all, he looks at his wife and says, man, here's the thing. You're so good looking. Now, how old is she? She's pretty old, right? She's, she's up in age already. I mean, she's not like she's 36 or 28 or 22 or whatever it might be. She's, but she's good looking, right? And he says, baby, you, you're so good looking. Listen, the king's going to want you. Um, if they know I'm your husband, they'll kill me. Tell him you're my sister. And I'm, I'm thinking about this, right? And it's just like, wow. So what is Sarah? She's like, okay. If that's what you think, if that's what you think, can I just say this right here? Men, men, we are supposed to be the spiritual leaders of our home. Abraham, Sarah trusted Abraham. She trusted him. You're my protector. You're my provider. You're my spiritual... Guys, when, when you stand before me and I do the wedding vows, we always talk about the husband's responsibilities. She just agrees. Well, yes, sir, if you think that's what we need to do. And so it was, verse 14 says, when Abraham came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman and she was very beautiful, the princess... The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake and had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, right? Male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with the great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that it was your wife? She was your wife. Why did you not say she is my sister? Why did you say she's my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, 
He says, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. One of the things we need to understand right here is Abraham makes a bad mistake. Now, his mistake is saying, sweetie, tell him that you're my sister. And she goes, and then and Pharaoh goes, ooh, look at her, bring her. I want to make her my wife. And God intervenes. God says, no, 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 no. Okay? God intervenes and saves both Abram and Sarai. And you would think, guys, that this lesson would be painful enough that Abraham would never try this again. You would think that the, the, the little um, conversation that Sarai and Abraham, as they walked out, would have been one that would have really touched Abraham's heart. Don't you think? Don't you agree? Why? She would have said, you know what? Don't ever do that again. Because here's, what, here's what's really happening, Abram. You're putting yourself higher than me. Listen, you understand that if God would have not intervened, I would have went in and I would have had to sleep with Pharaoh. I would have been part of his harem. We would have never seen each other, but you're more concerned about your life. Don't ever let that happen again. And Abraham, in the realization, said, oh my. Oh my, you're right. You're right. Wow. Wow, could you imagine? Can you imagine? Baby, I don't want to do this. Baby, 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 I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I, I don't, I'll never let that happen again. As a matter of fact, I couldn't bear to look the hurt in your eyes when, when I told you to say you're my sister. Well, honey, I forgive you. You guys tracking with me? And the problem is, the problem is, is just like the popular song back in 2005, Abraham singing, oops, I did it again. Right? I'm going to have Britney Spears all stuck in your head. Right? That's exactly what he's saying. Now, very quickly, guys, very quickly, he's going to say this again because Abraham's going to make the same mistake. Now, remember where we left off, okay, two weeks ago. Where do we leave Abraham? God has changed his name. The whole scenario has changed. We've moved from chapter 12 all the way to chapter 19. The problem is this chapter 19 is not a chapter that you want to preach to the church because it doesn't leave us being inspired to go out and conquer the world. Why? Because it's all about judgment. It's all about Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember, we left Abraham and he walks out to the place and he sees Sodom and Gomorrah go up in smoke and he's like, oh, no. I really thought my nephew Lot... And his family would be saved and the whole city would be saved because there should be at least 10 righteous people. And his heart is broken. And this is the place he interceded with Jesus. Please, please, please. He gets up early. Here's what I want you to see. Abraham's heart was so broken because of Sodom and Gomorrah. And here's the thing. I want you to drop this down, guys. I want, I want the heart of Jesus do you not want the heart of Jesus? We talked about this in discipleship last night, guys. It tells us in Colossians, Paul says, if you want to know, he says, Jesus is, is, is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God is like? Study Jesus. And, and if I study Jesus, I want his heart. 
Why? Because his heart is for people. And so our hearts need to be for people. And we got to realize that people are not perfect. And we need to we need to love them just as they are. And that's the hardest thing for us to do because we are so judgmental. Because in our minds, we have exactly laid out how you should behave and how you should look and how you should act. And you've been a Christian for how long? And so we've compartmentalized everything and how you should be. And then we judge. Oh, you're not that. Oh, oh, you had a bad thought. Oh, you did this. Oh, you did that. And, and I want the heart of Jesus because I can see it right here because people are not perfect. And what we're supposed to do, guys, is is we're supposed to love people back to life and give them Jesus. He can only, he's the only one that can change a life. He's the only one that can reach down in the heart that has been so broken and shattered by the world and people in the world that he can mend it back and he can set us on the right path. You guys are living witnesses of that. You guys have walked that. You go, man, I know when my life has been shattered. And he's the only one who's put it back together so I can take the next step. And when I would ask you, when the darkest time in your life, you would look at me and say, Ben, it's hard just to breathe. And God reached down and he put your heart. And now, today, you're not only breathing, but you're walking. And you're walking in victory. And again, I want the heart of Jesus. And so we have to be so careful. We don't become a people that are real judgmental on, on the judgment of other people. We have to be so careful. Why, Pastor? Here's why. Listen to me. Hell, Hades, is populated with the people from Sodom who didn't believe. Who didn't love, or who, who loved the present world more than God. And so we got to go, oh, no, 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 no. Listen, when you're praying for your coworkers and they are a pain in your neck, when, when, think about judgment. Think about what they have to go through. And although, listen to me, although you've got to set boundaries, okay, listen, I can't be part of your jokes. I understand that. Listen, it's not that I'm goody two-shoes. I'm just, I need to have my mind. But here's the thing. Man, I don't want to see anything bad happen to you. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to see you go down that road of destruction. Hey, let me ask you this. You don't have to answer me. You can just think about it in your mind. How many of you in your mind know a friend or had a friend who'd walked with Jesus and then has just nosedived back into the world? And you're just like, and it just breaks your heart. And the things of God were so special to them at one point, and now they don't even bring up God anymore. I want the heart of Jesus. I want that person back. I want that person back. You see, it was Paul who tells us in the first Corinthians, chapter one, verse seven, he's writing to the Corinthian church. You guys know this. He says, but you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of the Lord Jesus. So he's coming and we have this and he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from blame on that day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into a partnership with his son, Jesus, to the Lord Jesus Christ. You go, Ben, what's he saying? Two things we need to observe. I love that Paul, knowing all that's going on in the church's Corinth, still reminds them who they are in Christ. That should be our goal. 
When a brother and sister has fallen, we need to remind them who you are in Christ, what God is doing. We cannot be so, oh, well, there you go. Just let him go. Well, they don't want Jesus. Okay. No, 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 no. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember? That's what Paul says. And the second thing, guys, it's almost like Paul is saying to us and to them, God himself is right alongside you to keep you steady and on the right track until all the things are wrapped up by Jesus. That's what he's there for. We know that Lot made some mistakes. And if you recall, where did Lot end up? He ended up in a cave, right? The problem with Lot is that he had a broken heart because of the mistakes he made. What did he do? Well, number one, his his family died. His family died. They were left back in Sodom. Number two, his wife died, guys. She turned back. She turned into a pillar of salt. His two other daughters thought there were no men in the entire earth, so what did they do? In order to repopulate the earth, which is crazy thinking, they decided to get their dad drunk and sleep with him. They both ended up pregnant, right? That's where we get the Moabites and the Ammonites. And, of course, those two groups have been enemies of the Jews for centuries, illustrating, guys, the what? The flesh that fights against the spirit. Now, with the remainder of this little time, I want to share with you real quick, and then we'll jump into our text. Okay, we learned that in our scenario in chapter 18 and 19 was really the difference between Abram and Lot, who Abram walked in the spirit and Lot walked in the flesh. Can we agree there are times when we walk in the flesh? Ah, there are times when we make choices in the flesh. But the word of God is telling us, here's the difference. You go, what are they? Well, think about this. Christ himself came and visited Abraham. But it was the angels who went to Sodom and Lot. And you go, what was that point? Listen, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to feel him. I want to know his presence. I want to know his heart. I want to walk with him. I love that. So I need to walk in the spirit. You go, what else, Ben? Well, Christ had a message of joy for Abraham and Sarah. Guess what? You can have a baby. That's great joy. But that wasn't the same for Lot, Right? What did the what did the what did the angel say, guys? You need to get out of here. God's about to destroy the city. Abraham was visited in the daytime. Lot, the angels came in the evening. Abraham was at the tent door. Lot was at the city gate. Abraham had power with God, and Lot had new influence even in his own family. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I thought of a story Natalie told me yesterday about somebody. It was the other night, and um, big thunderstorm, angry rain in Lubbock. You remember that? And and I mean, man, we heard we heard a lightning that I I promise it was in our backyard. I mean, I jumped halfway to you know New Mexico. I was like, ah! I mean, it was like we thought it, it was just you saw the light, you heard the. I mean, it's scared. But what happened was that apparently there was a house that got hit with a fire. And one of her co-workers was running and noticed he was driving and he sees the house on fire. Literally. And so he goes to the door and he's like, pow, 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 pow. And the guy comes out and he's like, what's up? He's like, your house is on fire. The dude's like, no way. And, and, and he freaks out, didn't even know his house was on fire. And then he runs to the next door and says, listen, the fence is on fire. You're... I mean, this was just, this was just 
this was crazy, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. Can you imagine going to your next-door neighbor whose house is on fire, and you're really serious, and you're like, your house is, it's, listen, and he comes to the door, he's like, you're such a clown, you're just always joking. Oh, that's a good one. No, 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 listen, you're going to burn down, you're going to die. Nah, yeah, get, the, get your wife and kids, your little ones. Man, you're funny. You're funny. Okay, good night. I was thinking about this. I was like, man, this is, this is, this is, Lot. Lot didn't have any influence with his own family. I, I wonder why, church. I wonder why. Maybe those of you who have raised kids can answer this way. Why, why won't our kids listen to us? You see, our kids know when we're joking, and our kids know when we're serious. I see the Ramos's girl right here. Do you know when Dad's serious face is? Do you know when he has a serious face? Oh, they're smiling. They know, right? Do you know when he's joking? But when he has that face, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, right? You know that face. She knows that face. Three knows that face, yeah, yeah. You go, Pastor, your point. Guys, listen, listen. As men, we're supposed to be spiritual leaders of our home. Second of all, second of all, when it comes to the things of God, we need to raise them seriously. Listen, we can have fun, we can joke, nobody takes us seriously, man, have fun in life. But when it comes to the things of God, we need to have that dad face that goes, no, 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 I am serious. And they go, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't know why I went off on that. Didn't have it in my notes, but that's where we are. That's where we are. So Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. Now we come to our text. The text now focuses back on Abraham, right? So, of course, you know this. If you're taking notes, I entitled this message, Oops. I did it again. And that's where we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 20. Don't worry, it goes fast, I promise. And Abraham, back in Abraham, now remember, it's not Abram, it's Abraham, chapter 20, journeyed from there south and dwelt in Kadesh and Shur, and then he ended up in Gerar, okay? You go, okay, so what is he doing? Abraham's on the move, right? He's a tent, he's not, he doesn't have a house, he's moving, right? He ends up in Gerar. Gerar, guys, was an ancient... Uh, trading post located halfway between Beersheba and Gaza near the Mediterranean coast. So he's moving down the Mediterranean coast. Now, remember what Abraham just witnessed, okay? He just witnessed an ungodly, wicked city being destroyed, and now he's moving. He comes to Gerar, and I bet he might be thinking, these people are just as wicked as Sodom. I need to be careful. I need to be careful. Now, here's the thought, okay? Here's the thought. Remember, this is good application, guys. Jot this down somewhere. What? Remember not to make decisions on what we don't know. Don't make decisions on what you don't know. Or what you think, or hearsay, or whatever it might be. They, I mean, think about this. He's coming to your garage, and he's going to make a decision based on, he doesn't know anything about the city, you go, well, what should I do? Guys, find out. Get the facts. Follow the Lord. Seek Him. Ask for counsel. 
You remember Lot's daughters? They ended up in a cave and they thought, the whole world is destroyed. There are no men. Let's get dad drunk. They acted on what they didn't know. Instead of waiting and seeing what God would do. So Abraham ends up in Gerar. And what does he say? But he's not in Egypt, but look what he says in verse 2. Now, Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. <laughs> Did he not do it again? Ay. Abraham, didn't you not learn? Really? I mean, he, 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 they're walking into Gerar, right? Here's Abimelech. He looks at him and goes, whoa, she's my sister. She's my sister. And, and again, I'm thinking about this, right? Now, this hurts. Why? Think about this. Think about this, guys. Let me paint the big picture. Abraham was promised a son through Sarah. This time next year, Sarah, by Abraham, you're going to have a son. And she laughed, right? <laughs> no, no way, right? And this is a great thing. But, I mean, this hurts. Why? Because think about this. What is Abraham saying to Abimelech? She's saying this. She's my sister. He's not acting in faith. And the implications is that if Sarah goes into Abimelech's harem, she will become his wife. The promise is dead. He's not acting in faith. He's not walking by faith. He's not understanding these are the promises of God gave me. He's going, oh, well, she's, my, she's my sister. Well, how is Isaac ever going to be born if, dude, what are you thinking? But he's, he gives just a beautiful picture of who we are as believers. That's how we are. Oh, okay. I made that choice. I'm going to make, I don't want to make that bad choice again. And here's a lesson for us. You ready? Guys, stand on the promises of God. Stand on them. Only you know what he's spoken to your heart. Stand on them. Okay? Don't waver. Even if the world and everything comes crashing around us, let us ask the Lord to keep us safe and walk by faith and not by sight. Even when everything we know is taken away, we still have the promises of God. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying we have to be careful. Because I know what you're thinking, church. Why would Abraham keep saying that Sarah's his sister? I mean, seriously. Here's why. Listen, back then, if a powerful man wanted to take, make an unmarried woman his wife, he would simply take her. That's my wife. But if she were married and the man, listen, lacked the fear of God, he would kill her husband and then take her. You guys, you guys with me? You understand? Abraham didn't want to get killed on account of his wife. Abraham, instead of defending his wife with his life, he was willing to and even asked his wife to be willing to go to and have sex with and marry someone else to save his own neck. I think my wife would be pretty mad at me at that point. 
Guys, what could we say in this? We as men need to step up and we need to defend our wives. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, sweetie. Go 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 ahead. You go, well, Ben, there's 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 I mean powerful man. That's that's King Abimelech. Can I offer a warning to you and to me? Men? We do this, we do this by not taking care of them, by not loving them, by not honoring them, by not laying down our lives. Here's what we do. In a lot of ways, we go, man, she, you know, uh, you know, that we've been married a long time now, right? I can't believe this. Here's what we're doing. We're actually pushing them into the arms of another man. And we have to stand our ground and say, no, no, that's my wife. And I've made mistakes, but I'm going to stand and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. I'm gonna, again, church, listen to me, not easy, but we got to be careful. We got to be careful because men need to be Christian men. Men need to step up and do what's, what the Bible tells us to do. He says it really simple in Ephesians to love our wives, to lay down our wives for our lives for them, to love them as our own body. Boy, we take care of our own body. When we're hungry, we eat. How about this? How about, listen, I know my wife's hungry. I'm going to put her first. I'm going to put her first. Hey, I know that, that listen, I know I'm thirsty. I'm going to get water. You know, thought might cross your mind. Maybe she would want one too. You get one. Here you go, baby. How about when you go to McDonald's, you just order two fries so she didn't eat yours? Because she's going to eat them anyway, is she not? Do you want anything, baby? No, I'm good. You sure? You want any fries? No, I don't want anything. Okay, well, let me have a large order of fries. And then she's sitting there going, oh, let me try that and... Love is ordering two fries, just so you don't get in a fight. Back in our text. Back in our text. Don't you love verse 3, but God? But God came to Abimelech in a dream at night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Wow! That's a dream. Abimelech goes to bed, comes to him, and it's like, hey, you're a dead man. Whoa, hold up. But Abimelech had not come near her and said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? But did he not say she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hand, I have done this. I don't know if Abimelech knows Jesus or not, but I want that heart. Why? Guys, here's my prayer, that we would strive to have integrity of heart and innocent hands. He says, listen, I'm just, I saw her. She said, you got a good looking sister. He said, that's my brother. I took her list. I didn't, Lord, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. What is the opposite 
in some people's lives without integrity of heart or innocent of hands. Let me tell you what it is. For a lot of times, it's manipulation. It's manipulation. We're going to try to manipulate the situation Here's the thing. Integrity of heart and innocent hands, where do they come from? They come from the Lord, don't they? They come from the Lord. When we honor our lives to Him. Lord, what do you want me to do? And God said to him a dream, verse 6, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I with... For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Thank you, Lord. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all yours. Who are yours? I love the fact, guys, check this out. I love the fact that God's help helps us not to sin when we walk in integrity. If you'll just pray, Lord, I don't want to do this. Hey, let me ask you this. What in your life right now is super hard that you can't do in the flesh? Like, for example, like you're going, man, I really need to lose weight. I really need to lose weight. I can't do it. I just tried. I can't do it. For It might be something else, but for you, it, ask the Lord in honesty and integrity. Lord, I can't do this on my own. I really need your help. And of course, what is, what is super hard? And it could be your marriage. It could be a relationship with a parent. God, I can't do this. I really need your help. I really need your help. God helps us. Guys, I want you to see something. I want you to see something. If you're taking note, you can just kind of put this next to your Bible somewhere. Do you, did you see the free will and choice here? You go, what do you mean? The Lord says to Abimelech, but if you do not restore her, what's he saying? He's implying that, that Abimelech actually had a choice. Wait, wait, I thought that God was this, this God in heaven that he just makes us do whatever we want. No, 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 he, he implies, look, he implies, right? Except the consequences for our choice could be fatal. Hey, if you don't restore her, you will surely die. Not only you, but your whole family. But here's what I wrote down, guys. I said, choose wisely. Choose wisely. Because, see, in life, we, are given, we, we too are given choices. And the biggest choice we have to make is, are we going to follow God with all of our hearts? Because so many people will choose, but they'll choose to follow him only part-time. If you've lived in our city for any length of time, you know a lot of people do that. They're wonderful Christian people on Sunday mornings, but sometimes on Monday and Tuesday, wow, wow, wow. And then there's people in our city, guys, that choose not to follow him at all. And just remember, the consequences, good or bad, will be part of our choice. He gives them a choice. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called his servants, told all the things in his hearing, 
And the men were very much afraid. I don't blame him. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have, that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? What did I do? You have done deeds to me that ought to not be done. And then Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you would have done this thing? Now, here's what I don't, here's what blows my mind. Let's just say that Abimelech maybe is not a follower of God. Then Abraham just got rebuked by a heathen king. What did you do? Now you go, well, Ben, the text doesn't say. The text doesn't say if he's a Christian or not, okay? We'd have to do some further study, but let's just assume he's not. And he, got a, he just got rebuked by the world. And that's hard for a Christian to take when we're trying to walk and, Im, and, and, and imitate Jesus and the world goes, hey, why would you do that? Why would you be mean to me? Why would you say those things to me? Why would you, why would you do that? I thought you were supposed to be a believer. I was supposed to, you're supposed to have love and peace and joy and compassion and, and mercy and grace. And yet you're in my face cussing me out. I don't understand. Why would you cause? Ooh, well, that just hit me. Why would we cause anyone else to sin by the things that we do? Wow, Abimelech, what a dignified attitude is that of the king, calmly and justly reproving the sin of the patriarch, but respecting his, notice, but respecting his person, heaping coals of fire in his head by the liberal presentation made to him. It's about time someone placed the blame where it belonged. Abraham, you, you sinned. Is that your feet, buddy? Abraham could have caused this king and the people great problems. And he demanded, Abraham, why did, why did you do this? Well, in verses 11 to 13, Abraham offers three reasons for his lie. Just want to give them to you real quick. His precipitation from the horrible vices of Sodom, all the other cities, and had no fear of God, including Gerar. So we can assume that there was not, he was not a godly king, Okay. So his reason for a lie, he goes, oh, goodness, we just saw the horrible vices in Sodom. We thought maybe Gerar was the same way. Maybe you were just crazy. Number two, his fear of death. His fear of death was, was the, the, the mitigating factor for, for what he had done. I don't want to die. And you know what? Let's just, let's just shoot straight. His third one, his wife actually being his half-sister as justification for lying and hiding their marital status. Oh, she kind of really is. Abraham, let me call you on the carpet. Well, Abraham didn't need to protect, right? He didn't, he didn't need fraud to protect himself. God was able to provide safety for him. He didn't need to manipulate. Look at verse 11. We're going to finish up here, guys. And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place. There it is. And they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she truly is my sister. Do you guys see all three running in one verse and two verses? She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. 
And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should, sh- should do for me in every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother, okay? So what is this from 11 to 13? What is this? He's just trying to justify what he's done. Let me give it to you in layman's terms. When somebody calls us out, well, that's because, right? Hey, did you realize, well, that's because, and then we try to lay out justification. Here's what we should say. You're right. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Wow. Wow. I don't even like getting rebuked by, by a brother, much less the world. But we always do. We try to justify ourselves, guys. We try to, we're self-preserving. That's because, you know what? Listen, you know why I did that? You know, you, you know why I did that? Because when I was little, my, they pinned my diaper too tight and there was blood, you know, I mean, just. We start trying to justify why we do things that we do. And sometimes it's just, I, I, you know what? Why did you say that? Because I'm stupid. Because I'm dumb. I just wonder how Sarah felt, especially putting, essentially Abraham was putting his life before Sarah. Well, then Abimelech, look at verse 14, then Abimelech took sheep and oxen, male and female servants, and he gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah to him, or his wife to him. And Abimelech said, see, my land is before you, dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah, he said, behold, I have given, notice, look at your Bibles, your brother. That's almost like, ouch. He didn't say your husband. He didn't say Abraham. He's like, you want to call him your brother? I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus, she was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, and they bore children. Guys, we're going to close. We're closing. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. At Calvary Chapel, we have a saying. Our saying is, it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay to come in here and be like, oh, man, I, I've got issues. I've got, yes. Listen, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to make bad choices in life. Yet, here's what we need to do. We need to learn from them. And I love the fact that Abraham is going to be growing in his walk with God. Yep, you know what? He almost blows it again. But I'm encouraged because God is still working on Abraham and Sarah, just like he's still working on us. Listen, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be messed up. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be hurt. And it's okay to even struggle. But it's not okay to live there. Did you hear me? It's not okay to live there. Sometimes we visit those places, but we should never set up residency in those places. So here's my thought as we, as the worship team comes back up, we take time to think about, 
communion and what it represents, guys, we want to take a moment to just, just recommit our lives to the Lord. Lord, I've made some bad choices. Wow, I have. And your word is so beautifully convicting. And I confess them to you. And as we go into worship, guys, then that would be a time for you to just just get clean with God. And here's what I love about God. God's not going, oh, you messed up. Okay, you stay outside. God's not saying, you sit in the back row. God would never say that. You know what God is saying? Come on, it's okay. I heard a story. A very popular conference that a pastor took a rose out. Very beautiful rose and and he's preaching, and he hands the rose, and, and he says, I want everyone you to smell the rose. I want you to smell it and pass it down. And, and, and so everyone did, and this is a large crowd, large crowd heard the story. It's crazy. And then, and then about, about you know, 15, 20 minutes go by, and he goes, hey, who has the rose? Who has, who has the rose? And some person in the back goes, it's right here. But guess what? At this point, it was already broken. It was already messed up. Leaves are falling up because so many people have handled it. He pulls it up, and his point was this. He goes, look at this rose. He says, who, wants, who, who would want this rose? In other words, it's been defiled. It's been bad choices. It's been, it's been. But the point of the story was the guy telling the story wanted to stand up and cry, Jesus wants the rose. That's what he died for. And we come in here like broken roses because of the world and it's been all of this and we have internal struggles but listen here's the point jesus wants the rose you're precious and you're beautiful and the world may see you like a broken rose and the world may go oh nobody wants that who wants that who wants the rose guys Father, we worship you, Lord. We spend some time with you. We love you. Soften our hearts, God. We commit our lives to you. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.